Greetings, friends. I am Matthew Kanabi, licensed professional counselor. You are listening to Experience Emerge. Today, we will dive into another conversation about the broken and fractured aspects of our lives. Then we will discuss how we put these pieces back together again to find rest and live free. C.S. Lewis once said, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. In today's episode, we are going to explore a story in hopes to gain a little bit of perspective on those larger letters. Well, as October comes to an end, our theme of honoring pastors is coming to a close, but um, the idea certainly needs to continue. Today, we discuss some of the things that pastors and leaders of our churches need to be mindful of and what our congregations can be aware of concerning the strenuous task of leading a church. I have the honor of having a conversation with someone I truly admire and have had the opportunity to work with over the past few years. To say that he is a leader, an intellectual, and really just a funny guy in general is an understatement. He has been a huge influence on my young career at Emerge Ministries and someone I look up to. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Richard Serban. It is a pleasure to, to be with you, to join you. Uh, I have been working alongside you at Emerge uh, Counseling Ministries now for a couple of years, but uh, I've actually been on staff there for 22 years now. And uh, actually, um, as my hair is starting to show too well, I uh, spent a lot of my life in the mental health field. I've been 40 years uh, in that field, 30 as a licensed professional, and uh, started out originally thinking that my vocation would be more of a traditional pastoral track. And along the way, got really drawn into more of the pastoral care side of things. So got my training in clinical psychology, got to my doctorate and got licensed. And was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to come to Emerge because I have a real special heart for pastors and their families because uh, prior to my going into ministry, I grew up in ministry as the son of a pastor. So it's kind of been my life and there's a very special spot in my heart for me. Mm-hmm. What what do you think really kind of gravitated towards the the clinical side of, of this whole um, experience and, and doing the pastoral thing, but also taking on a clinical perspective as well? I think for some of it was... I knew I had a real calling to full-time ministry, but just didn't feel like I had that many gifts as a pulpit, pulpiteer, a public speaker. Mm-hmm. And so just really kind of searching for where that fit would be. And yet the classes that I had in psychology, it was just, just resonated, felt at home right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, you happen to have a good aptitude for science and those kinds of things. And so, uh, it just felt like a very natural fit to the gifts that the Lord gave me. Mm-hmm. And and at your time, since you've been kind of working in the clinical world and, and emerge, what what kind of population of clients do you see most often, and and where is your area of expertise? Uh, this is one of those sort of fortuitous, uh, unplanned kinds of things. In that, uh, while I was in my graduate training. A place that I was working at in Atlanta, 
I dealt a lot with addictions. I actually was doing a lot of work with uh, health professionals themselves who had gotten into some sort of addiction or another. And so a lot of my time has been spent uh, with that as sort of a specialty. Um, I have done a fair amount of work with pastors and ministry uh, related things, missionaries. Uh, some of that has been on the side of assessments, trying to uh, help people identify uh, their preparedness, their readiness, their fitness to uh, serve in some kind of ministry field. Um, and then probably in the last 10 or 15 years have really uh, sort of split the addiction and marital kinds of things. I really enjoy working with couples, mm-hmm. and, uh, helping them to really find the, the marriages that God would want them to have. I was so excited to have you on our show um, because I feel like, you know, we've been working together for, for the last couple of years and, you know, your office is right across the stairway from, from mine and, and we get to pass each other in, in uh, often when I was working in the office and hopefully someday back again. Um, but I, I know you have a passion for pastors and uh, people in the ministry. And in the month of October, as it's winding down, we have been focusing on the podcast of honoring our pastors. And um, we had a conversation with uh, one of our board members, uh, Jason Torville, in our last um, podcast, kind of talking about um, his experience as a pastor and, and being from a long lineage of pastors. And, and today I wanted to bring you on because I, I know you have that connection, but then you also have um, a little bit of a clinical perspective on talking a lot about different things that maybe pastors aren't thinking about. Um, maybe uh, there's people in the ministry that are wearing down. I mean, for certain, this has had to have been one of the most difficult years for churches. Um, and, and we talked a lot in the last podcast about, you know, pastors who um, are you know, walking away from uh, the pulpit because this is yeah. not what they signed up for. So I wanted to kind of open up the conversation to continue honoring pastors and, and get a little bit of perspective um, from you and some of the thoughts that you would have um, uh, from a clinical view. Okay. Sort of forgot when I was sharing the uh, intro, uh, the Lord does have kind of a good sense of humor in that uh, once I came to emerge, I also eventually did end up as a credential holder on a pastoral staff. So I actually wear a couple hats even now. And uh, so as I'm helping pastors, I also live it, you know, I am. I'm very familiar with October being sort of Pastor Appreciation Month, and if there's any year in which uh, that has probably been appropriate, trying to figure out how to steer your conversation through a pandemic yeah. uh, has just been so hard yeah. uh, to try to respect and be good citizens and not uh, put people at risk, and at the same time to uh, try to help people keep connected and so uh, very stressful mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that uh, a lot of times in my work with pastors that is not appreciated um, a lot of people sometimes say well what's the pastor do between sundays when he speaks for a half hour or 40 minutes and don't realize the multiple roles uh, the pastors play uh, once they're off the platform Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they are doing a lot of things related to counseling. They uh, teach, they mentor, 
they are doing things oftentimes to connect their church to the, the larger community in some kind of outreach kind of way. And uh, probably the thing that is a little more apparent now, uh, even than when I first was doing some work with pastors is the role of the administrative side of ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just all the best practices, kinds of things to stay on top of the legalities, the finances, all of those kinds of things. Uh, It's a real broad skill set that when somebody is trying to lead a congregation, there's a lot of demands. And one of the big stresses with that is uh, you really sometimes don't have a lot of control over in what order and when you know you have a crisis pop up you got to go see somebody in the hospital or you can't even get in the hospital yeah uh, so things of that nature it's a very very stressful kind of thing in general and then this past year uh, even more so yeah so what what kinds of things do you think would be important um, as a, a therapist talking to this population what what might be some things that they want to be thinking about uh, during this time? Well, some of the things that are very helpful is just to acknowledge um, the fact that it is stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I think gets pastors into trouble is that they often uh, see in uh, their congregants, see that they want to look toward their pastor as the person who's going to model for them, kind of do the right things so that they can emulate the pastor And after a while, it becomes sometimes a little on the enticing side to begin to really believe that you are the person that people would like you to be. And then you start to close yourself off to acknowledging that you are human, you have limits, you get tired. So just giving yourself permission to be human Mm -hmm. uh, is a good starting point because once you can be okay with that, then you can start taking some proactive steps that lead to better self-care. Mm-hmm. You and I talked a little bit about burnout, and I think that's a word that comes up a lot um, for pastors. I, I've heard that word come up for therapists too. I mean, it's it's not sure. it's not isolated to pastors, but um, in in keeping with our focus today, um, talk to me about burnout. What does that mean? What does it look like? And, and what do, what should pastors be doing about that? I think burnout is especially challenging for the pastor because in all fields, I guess people tend to go into that because there is some sort of draw for them, some sort of sense that this is satisfying work. But uh, most often for pastors or ministers, in addition to feeling like this is a good fit, there is almost a sacred sense of divine call too. And the idea of being, if I'm called to this, even if I'm feeling tired or overwhelmed, uh, if I somehow don't continue on with it, then I am somehow offending the Holy Spirit. I'm letting God down. Uh, and So they stay in it because they want to stay true to what they feel has been their calling. But because of all the demands and some of the things that sometimes arise uh, within a church setting, Burnout is that state where, in essence, you sort of lose that passion and satisfaction in what you're aware of. It's just as routine and going through the motions and kind of that empty feeling of 
Uh, I'm trying to do the right thing, but there's just no real inner sense of well-being or satisfaction in the doing of it. Are, are there specific signs that that maybe pastors should be mindful of and going? You know what? I'm I might be getting to that point, or maybe I'm are I'm over beyond that point of burnout. What what would would that look like? What signs would we be looking for? I do think it's uh, in some ways a lot like some people who are beginning into uh, the stages of depression in the sense that there's sort of this loss of enjoyment in usual activities. Mm-hmm. So things that were once meaningful uh, no longer seem to have the same kind of satisfaction or uh, the responsibilities. Again, it's done primarily out of obligation rather than what they used to know in terms of I really want engage people. Uh, the other kinds of things that you start to see a lot of times are uh, the fatigue that sets in and they start uh, that's again like depression one of the things is the things that probably can be the most helpful to a person become the things the person least feels like doing and so they tend to not pay attention to uh, health kinds of things like diet and exercise. Uh, they sometimes find themselves drawing when social isolation is something that only enhances burnout. Mm-hmm. And so they find themselves moving away from healthy practices rather than engaging the healthy practices. Yeah. A, a lot of kind of what I heard in there is like motivational things start to change or diminish, you know, that drive or that fire yeah. to, to do something like a ministry. You have to have that, that fire, that, that determination, that, that drive. And when you feel like that's kind of being burnt out, I think that's a pretty critical sign of like, you know, getting into that profession. It's it's a calling. It's not like you you just walk into. Oh, I think I'll be a pastor today. It's like no, there's something that urges inside of you that 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 brings you into a profession like that. Um, and when that feeling starts to dissipate, and it's like, oh, I don't want to do this today, or I don't want to work on my sermon today. Those would definitely be signs. I think that um, the fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really maybe unique to ministry is a lot of times somebody who is moving towards burnout uh, has maybe lost their own personal disciplines in terms of reading the scripture. They're still reading the Bible for their sermon, but as far as doing it for nurturing their own health and soul, uh, it's kind of like those that they don't seem to have time or they've lost the ability. So again, it's almost more of a professional duty rather than something that is life-giving to them. Yeah. I think also too, whatever, whatever the home life looks like is going to be really imperative to the mental health and state. If, if things at home aren't going well, um, that could be indicative of that as well. I, I've heard a lot of pastors like, you know, um, the, the signs of burnout, the, you don't necessarily see them at church first, you see them at home first. Yeah, that's a great point, Matt, because we talked earlier about the difficulty sometimes for pastors to admit to themselves the fact that they they are limited, and so they just kind of continue to be good soldiers, and usually it's when somebody else in the family system begins to sort of say, this isn't working, or maybe in the case of a child, they're not going to use words to say that they may just start having some real issues. And at that point, 
it's no longer able to just be ignored mm-hmm. uh, because now the, the whole family system is really starting to show signs of distress. So in this scenario where you'd mentioned earlier, just being able to get to the point of recognizing he's human or she's human and um, you know it's okay to be stressed, at what point or, or what are the things that you would look for for them to start thinking about maybe finding a therapist? Thankfully, that's something that in the uh, 25 years or so that I've really been working within a, a church-type atmosphere, uh, it's become easier for pastors to feel free to, to say good or it's okay to uh, seek out assistance outside with a counselor. Uh, some of our more conservative brethren for a while thought that that was in some ways a sign of spiritual weakness rather than a strength. Mm-hmm. And so that I think pastors feel a little more freedom uh, in terms of the, the signs. I, I think it is one of those things where uh, you recognize that life has rhythms and uh, every pastor in a while is going to have a maybe a period of time where uh, some of the activities of their calling are, are not feeling very rewarding. But it's when it begins to sort of be, again, a protracted period of time uh, when they begin to start to have some of those physical kinds of symptoms. Maybe their sleep is disrupted or they see themselves using unhealthy uh, kinds of things to cope, anything from you know, food to sometimes substances, other kinds, of, and by substances it may uh, be you know, energy drinks, just sure. things like that that aren't necessarily street drugs, but the, they come to sort of rely on that as the way to try to, to get through the day. And at first it seems to help, and then they... Uh, start to recognize that now they can't really feel normal without doing those things. And I I do agree. I I think culturally we're getting to a place where it's much more acceptable to be open to get therapy. If a pastor comes to you and you're working with him, what might be some of those initial things that you would be doing in therapy um, to kind of set up self-care or or some of the things that you would do initially um, just to kind of give some of our listeners an idea of, of things that they might be able to instill just by listening to our podcast. Uh, usually one of the things that I'm going to start with is just to try to get a sense of, of what is the larger picture of, of things. You know, there are sometimes pastors who come in uh, because they feel like maybe they've uh, been at a place for a while and they're not experiencing the kind of success that they thought. So there's, a sense of self-doubt or failure, or they may feel like uh, they're hearing voices in the congregation that the church uh, isn't going in the direction that it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes pastors who, uh, for whatever reason, the church may experience tremendous growth, and uh, these people are usually very capable, but suddenly it grows to a size where uh, instead of them sort of riding the horse, they're now hanging on desperately by the reins that the yeah. uh, the church is running them, and yet they don't know how to to let go of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I, I've worked with a couple pastors who 
external circumstances seem to just really be uh, working in mega church kinds of settings. And it got to the point where the only way out was to, in some way, sabotage themselves in, mm-hmm. by disqualifying uh, because they couldn't say, I quit. Mm-hmm. And so in an unconscious way, sometimes they sabotage themselves or other times they uh, get to a point where they begin to rationalize. I deserve uh, to do some things that may not be uh, morally upright because they feel like they've earned uh, for all the stress. So, again, too little success, too much success. Uh, sometimes it is the family crisis that brings them in. Uh, sometimes there's staff pastors that are working with senior pastors. So not all church organizations uh, sometimes flow smoothly together. And so, and then the final thing is that there are sometimes people who very sincerely go into ministry who maybe had traumatic childhoods and the stress of ministry suddenly begins to make obvious uh, some of those woundings. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say, I, I usually try to get some sense of what are the circumstances that might be sort of leading to and then uh, beginning to talk about uh, based on the uh, situation, what are the kinds of activities that might bring a corrective course for them? You know, you, you know a little bit of my, of my background as a musician, and you know, for years and years and years, I toured, and um, I've talked to a lot of pastors because I've never been a pastor per se, but I do get the idea of a job or career that you never clock out. And I think that's one of the most difficult things. You know, when I was a musician, you're a, you're a musician from the time you wake up and you're doing interviews till the time of the show. To, I mean, it's, you're never off and you yeah. never get a, a, a moment. And the moment you do switch the button off, there's always somebody there that's going to write about it. You know, it's like there, you, you never get that opportunity. And I feel that way the more and more I've gotten close to pastors, worked with pastors, I think they live in that same type of existence. And um, what would you say to somebody about, you know, being able to unplug and and putting in healthy boundaries into their life to be able to um, exist in that world, but not be consumed by it? Yeah, I think in terms of if we look at the actual research that's being done, and there's a lot of uh, actual good study going on right now that's yielding some good insights. But one of the themes that seems to emerge consistently from study to study are that healthy ministers do have that ability to put appropriate boundaries. They have a, a healthy work-life balance. They can say no even when it might be easy to say yes. Mm-hmm. And obviously part of that in order to do that is to have a, a healthy enough sense of self, your identity in Christ, uh, to know that some congregants, some people are going to be unhappy with that because in their mind, the ideal pastor have a little sheet that I sometimes uh, will give to pastors about uh, somebody's write-up of the healthy pastor. And mm-hmm. you know, it has a basically a schedule where the pastor's putting in a 120-hour week, and yet he has a day off and, you know, is with his family and, it's just really the unrealistic things. And you have to just understand uh, sometimes you're going to make a decision in ministry. Most times maybe is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. And somebody isn't going to be happy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's really important. The times that I've I've worked with pastors who are dealing with some burnout or or just you know exhausted, um, we take a look at snapshots of of what a week would look like, and you know the pastor's week I think is very critical. And if you don't have healthy boundaries around that week, you can work seven days and not blink twice about it. You know, it's like you know I think. It's very important, um, uh, you know. We talked about in the last episode, but I want to reiterate: you have to you have to have a, a Sabbath day. You know, if you're yes. preaching on Sunday, you know you need to have a day during the week and 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 create somewhat of a normality of a schedule where you know you're not taking phone calls at a certain time, so you can be present with your family. I mean, different things like that, and being able to to have your own personal time in prayer and personal time in the Word. Um, not just preparing for Sunday, you know, it's like having right. that, that personal relationship with Christ, I think is so important that it's really easy just to get caught up and go, you know, I haven't spent really any time with the Lord because, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing all of these other things. Yeah, that's right on target. I do think that uh, the ability to carve out and to hold sacred, uh, both on a routine, you know, we, in some ways, it's kind of like uh, doing marriage counseling, where I tell people, you know, you have a date night a week, do one weekend a month, do one week away a quarter if you can, you know, those kinds of things where you intentionally create some space, and unless uh, truly something of an emergency nature, and sometimes you have to really help people redefine what constitutes an emergency. Yeah, um, they they really hold to that. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, you and I talked a little bit about some resources, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the Miller Clarkson um, book. And I'm going to post those in the description of this podcast so people can have access to that. But I wanted you to share a little bit about what you were talking about earlier. Okay, uh, it kind of goes back to some of the research I mentioned a few minutes ago because. Uh, like a lot of things, uh, the first phase of research is trying to define what the problem is. And so a lot of the early research was on what is burnout mm -hmm. and how do we recognize it. But we've now kind of moved to the second stage, which is what is it that you do to uh, overcome or counteract burnout or prevent ideally burnout? And one of the things that we have seen is are there elements from the concept called emotional intelligence, which has now been in the psychological literature for about 25 or 30 years, where it talks about the ability to recognize your own emotions, the emotions in others, and to use those effectively in managing conflict, in regulating uh, when you feel frustrated, how do you discharge that in healthy ways. And so uh, Dr. Jeannie Clarkson has written a book called The Emotionally Intelligent Pastor. And within that, she gives a real uh, good description of what emotional intelligence is, each of those phases of self-care, as well as managing an inter your interpersonal life. And uh, it's a very useful resource. Uh, the Duke Divinity School uh, has a whole uh, line of literature that they have been putting out. They've been... Uh, coordinating with one particular denomination, 
particular, but I think a lot of it generalizes, is applicable to clergy in general. And then there's a guy over at the University of Warwick in England by the name of Leslie Francis. And so those are three sources where there's an awful lot of information, especially the latter two, if you uh, like to read sort of original sources or scholarly kinds of things. Um, the nice thing with Dr. Clarkson is that she actually has sort of created a resource for Right Now Media. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a popular opportunity for a lot of people in the Christian community uh, that gives some two or three lessons that uh, sort of demonstrate or show she sort of talks out with people how to increase that for themselves. That's awesome. I think that's really helpful. Um, uh, Dr. Serban, is there anything else that you would like to say uh, to pastors and, and I give you an opportunity for, for just kind of like a last uh, note to, to send us off in? What would you like to say to them? Wow. That's uh, there's so much that comes to mind to try to pick out one thing. You know, it is um, obviously having grown up in that atmosphere, there's just a real special place in my heart for pastors uh, some of the people who have been um, the most influential people in my life have been people who were in pastoral roles. So I, I personally want people to know that part of what drives me to want to uh, be a resource for them is just my appreciation for what they do and to say a big thank you. Because uh, sometimes pastoring can feel pretty thankless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want them to know uh, to be encouraged, to don't be afraid to seek out resources, mm-hmm. uh, do good self-care, maintain uh, good personal spiritual disciplines, stay connected to people. Uh, those are just basic practices. Uh, it's amazing how doing two or three simple things can really carry you through some of the more difficult times. Yeah. And if you're struggling, go see Dr. Serban because he, he's... <laughs> He's the guy. He, that's my endorsement for you. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm a guy. There, thankfully, there's a lot of good folks, but uh, it, it is something that I feel passionate about. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for uh, spending uh, some time with me today and, and talking about this and especially wrapping up this month with honoring pastors. I think it's something that is so important that we need to focus on, you know, those those people out there who are really leading the church and um, uh, lifting them up. So I appreciate your time today. Thanks again for asking that. I've enjoyed it. Well, what a great guy. I want to thank Dr. Serban for taking the time to uh, spend with me and be on our show today. I hope these last two episodes have inspired you to take a moment and recognize your pastors out there. I've had a lot of fun working with members of our church, making sure our pastors know that they were appreciated. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about Giving Tuesday in a very interesting way that Emerge is participating in the event. Please uh, tune in for our next podcast and hear what we are doing to raise money and awareness for this very unique group. Please give us a like if you enjoy what the XM podcast is doing and look us up on all the social media sites. Well, until next time, or when our Savior comes, God bless.